just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Hey, good to be back. How you doing? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Good, good. Another episode for you guys. Uh, this time, I want to talk about some of the the races in Star Wars and kind of their leanings in the Force, the, for the Force wielders. Can we stretch this a little bit and not just do Force wielders in Star Wars races? Could we do just talking about random races intergalactic? Uh, it depends. Because I love talking about the dwarves <laughs> of Lord of the Rings. I, I really know, do. I know you do. We'll start with Star Wars for now, and we can work our Let's way. See how long it takes us. Yeah. All right. Just because Star Wars Force users have a lot of notable races, right? You know, just uh, the one I really wanted to talk about was the Rakatans. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> that that would be a long episode. Plus, we already have a Rakan episode. Um, no, the Keldor. Oh, okay. So Plo Koon's race. Those that are so much pansies, they can't even breathe air. Mm, no. Yes, on their own planet they can. But <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so they're a really interesting race. They, they come from a planet Doran, which is a mountainous, rugged type, arid, arid mesa almost. I want to say, and their species is particularly force sensitive, but they lean towards the light side, which is pretty rare. It is. And the reason I appreciate him is because they have a group of seers or shamans called the Baron Doe, which Plo Koon was actually a part of. So first of all, I think we should talk about just the general uh, aesthetic. I think we need to talk about the fact that Plo Koon's race, you always see them wearing their face masks. because, And it's a respirator type mask, hard metal, always looks similar. And what it does is it allows them to breathe a standard nitrogen atmosphere because their homeworld does not have a nitrogen atmosphere. Mm -mm. Ammonias, carbons, a lot of carbon. It has ammonia. ammonia. Mm Kind of like we have a nitrogen atmosphere, but we breathe the oxygen to survive. Their atmosphere would be reminiscent of Neptune or Uranus. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so they have an atmosphere that basically they evolved to breathe and live on CO2. So where we breathe in oxygen and breathe out CO2, they breathe in CO2 and breathe out oxygen and carbon. The Baron Doe are so cool. They're, they're... Honestly, had they taken the fight to the Separatists, but they wouldn't have because they're almost like Kung Fu monks. They're monks. They're like They're, they're Force-sensitive, but they don't actively they, pursue the Sith. They study martial prowess to bring inner peace. Yes. Whereas the Jedi study martial prowess to fend. And so the Jedi's ideal is that you create peace around you, whereas the Baron Doe, their ideal is study the martial prowess to steady your mind to, to create inner peace. And then if you are at inner peace, you will radiate peace outward naturally. Exactly. And I think the the reason I appreciate them a lot is because Plo Koon, he left the Baron Doe to join the Jedi Council, which was abnormal because normally the Jedi abduct children. <laughs> but but he, he was on the Council of the Baron Doe 
and you know we all know Plo Koon. He's one of he's probably well he is in the top five of my favorite Jedi masters, but but as far as the Baron Doe are considered, he is a radical. Yeah, he was. He he believed in taking the fight when he had to versus the Baron Doe were more conservative in that mindset, which is why he didn't really align with a lot of them. Right. They respected him, and when he called for help, they answered because that's their culture. Right. The Keldor as a culture are very uniform in how they, in how they handle very intrapersonal. Horrific. Yes, intrapersonal relationships are very important to their culture, and I think had they taken had they been able to take the fight. To the separatists, the separatists would have had a hell of a time trying to overcome them. There weren't a whole lot of them, and that was the problem. They they were very because they're very individualistic. They're very in. They dwell on becoming better internally. They don't necessarily. Spread. They're very stoic. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily spread very fast, and they don't grow very fast. So you have this issue of, yeah, the Separatists would have struggled to have defeated them. But if the Separatists won, there would have been no Baron Doe left. And that's kind of where the struggle was because Plo Koon didn't want, didn't want his homeworld to be ruined because he knew that they wouldn't have fought for as long as they could. Right. And the Separatists would have just laid siege to the planet Doran and, and basically starved and murdered all of them. Oh, yeah. So Pokun left to kind of save his people, which I think is super cool. And then Kind of naive. I wouldn't... Uh, the, yes and no. The naivety comes into play because eventually they did end up... It was naive because he should have been aware... That the Separatists would not be the last threat. And that the only way to truly protect his people... Would have been to stay and fight. Would have been to convince his people to fight for their their own. Mm-hmm. And to look for other worlds where you could create outposts. But it was a lost cause. That's why he left. It was. Because he knew he wasn't going to be able to convince the Council of the Baron Doe to fight. Because they would have said, no, we are a peaceful people. But... The right answer would have been to stay and but, fight for your people yep. and then find planets where they have that atmosphere that you could live in and thus you could create colonies and spread out so that the, no one could siege your world mm. and wipe out your race. Exactly. He That would have been the, the non-naive thing to do, but probably the more detrimental in the long run because or in the short term yeah short term in the short term leaving and keeping the war away from them saved them but because he left and didn't do that to help reform them they eventually were wiped out but the baron doe the keldor specifically their race was very light side oriented as a peaceful i don't want to say indigenous but they were very holistic of the world around them and of the Force and how to commune with it. Right. But they shunned the Jedi because of that reason. They shunned the Jedi because they were like, the Jedi are bringing evil to the world. Right. Which, in a sense, they, they were. Right. But I, I the Keldor are one of my favorite races next to the Selkath and the Gamorreans. I just really appreciate their culture and their mindsets. But they're always light side leaning for that, that reason. 
It's very rare to have a Kaldor go dark side. Extremely rare. And the ones that do are... Immediately put down by their own. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, not so much... Not so much out of anger and hatred, but because they don't want their culture to be misappropriated. Well, not just that. They see... They see that if they don't do that, if they don't rid their culture of those dark side people that their culture cannot survive that they are about inner peace they are about inner enlightenment they are about being wise and they're wise enough to see that these people will go out and just strive for power and that striving for power will bring suffering yep and so it's it's almost necessary for them as being light side neutral mm. to fight in those cases and they will fight oh yeah <laughs> and they will win almost every time but aside from them uh my next question for you i'll see if you can guess um blue green or or purple purple okay phil likes purple twi'leks <laughs> who doesn't me uh, yeah. <laughs> i like the green red ones <laughs> only when they're set no the twi'leks are another interesting one in their alignment so i feel like the twi'leks are really split because you have darth town who are red twi'leks who fall to the sith well as notable users but they're very their culture was enslaved for thousands of years but they always find their way back to the light Twi'leks are generally a very uh, divided culture. You have, one, you have the colors, and that divides classes. Well, and then Planet Ryloth was always under siege by pirates and the huts anyways, so... Well, and not just pirates, huts, the Sith Empire of the Old Republic era. They were taken as slaves in that era. They basically were deemed as sub... a subspecies. They're not, they're not humanoid Subhuman. Even. Well, well, you can't say that because they're not human. <laughs> Subhumanoids. But they were. They were. It was illegal in the time of the old republic. It was illegal for anyone of the Sith Empire to treat a Twi'lek as anything but a slave. Yeah, they were a law. Like the law prohibited them from being free. Even force wielding Twi'leks were slaves. Yeah, but they weren't slaves for very long. Right. They typically found their way out of it. Right. But you have Aayla Secura, who one of another one of my favorite Jedi Masters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she is not only is she a badass, and I wish I wish they would have kept her extended universe where she had a green and a purple lightsaber. Or uh, excuse me, blue and purple lightsaber. But they ended up giving her just one, which is still cool. She's badass and she's she hot. Is. Super hot. But the Twi'lek are so interesting in how no matter how much they've been through slavery, wars, piracy, 99.9% times out of 100, they go back to the light side. They're very light side oriented. They're a very, they're a very healthy and they have a, a sense they, of pride with the light. Being they have good. about an average... Uh, affinity for the force but they are very light side aligned Hmm. it is incredibly rare to have a sith twi'lek but it does happen 
as with any race, I mean, even the Rakatans every now and again stumbled upon a light side oriented Rakatan. They did. And they usually killed him. Well, <laughs> no, not necessarily. They tried to teach them reason and they tried yeah. to bring them back to the dark side. But every race has exceptions. Mm. And some of the most interesting exceptions are the exceptions like the Twi'leks being dark side sometimes. Or the Wookiees every once in a while have a force sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's really rare. And that adds a degree of nuance to Star Wars. You're talking about Bodar? Yeah. The Wookiee, that guy was a silver lightsaber. No. Or no, uh, he didn't have the silver one. I think his was gold. Seems right. Gold or brown. Seems right. It was either gold or... Either way, a Wookiee... <coughs> A seven foot five inch tall Wookiee with a, a lightsaber. I mean, I have I, to imagine that training him smelled really terrible. Uh, or if you could even get to train him, it should, no, no, no. Training <laughs> him as a as a apprentice. You know, when they don't have perfect mastery of the lightsaber and they're singeing off hair, and <laughs> that would smell terrible. Like the entire training room would just smell like burning hair. <gasps> oh man. But the, it, the Twi'leks are an interesting one, though, because they are naturally a force gifted species, but they doesn't really come to fruition as, as often as other races. do. Well, and a lot of that's in their culture. Their culture is they're not fighters mm. generally. I mean, there are some, but the culture of the Twi'leks is very, very peaceful, very naive. And so they're often taken advantage of yep. and and you see this all over star wars i mean in any era there is twi'lek slaves in every naturally era. naturally <laughs> well and and <laughs> even when they're not slaves they're doing their employment is not in high up places in society yeah there are some twi'leks who are in high society but for the most part, if you're a Twi'lek, you're going to end up as a waitress or a dancer or something that doesn't generally create a huge amount of revenue. Well, yeah, but that's, again, their world was so rich with, I mean, rich with ores, ore deposits. I mean, they were just in a perfect position to be raided by pirates. They were in a good galactic position uh, and in terms of the atlas to where they were just stationed in a perfect spot well and they were stationed on a border between warring factions so you yeah. had the huts who were using it as a forward operating post and a slave uh, a slave outpost and then it would be raided by pirates from the other factions and it wasn't really defended by the huts because it wasn't in their inner sanctum but they obviously wanted access to the resources, so they'd kind of defend it. So it would flip-flop from Sith to Hut to Sith to Hut to Jedi or to Republic to... Separatist. Separatist. And it just flipped between all the factions because it was on one of those natural galactic boundaries. Yep. And so there's Twi'leks all over the galaxy. But if you're in Hut space, chances are the Twi'leks are slaves. Yeah. 
if you're in Sith space in the Old Republic, chances are the Twi'leks are slaves. <laughs> yeah. If you're in Republic space in any era, they're probably free, but not really. But they're they're free, but they're not really in the upper echelon of classes. Well, not just that. They're free. They're not technically slaves, but they would probably end up being controlled by a pimp. They're not a slave, but they're a worker. That's what I meant by the echelon. They're either, like you had mentioned, dancers on Narshada or a waitress or or the males are mine workers or (laughs) janitors or whatever they may be yeah they're not going to end up being a heavy military force they're not going to end up being banking guilds they're not going to be well their culture was a little more primitive in that aspect they weren't they were farmers right well they were tribal they were traders they weren't really they, they they weren't really in the business of money and they were non non nomadic tribal they were settled agriculturally so they had land houses homes cities yeah. villages more like but they were not developed enough to be considered uh, a currency based system they were a good target though that's for sure yes it was all trade based and because so their planet wasn't really explored all that much because they were just settlers they right. were they were nomads they just traveled from where there was work and farms and the ones that stayed on their farm stayed on their farms the one that wanted to stay in the mining areas stayed in the mining areas they didn't really and they didn't trade you know they didn't have a dollar so if you were a farmer and you wanted to sell your wares to the miners who you know needed food you would trade your food for their metal or your food for their precious gem. And so there wasn't really a way to build massive business. You couldn't have a a worldwide trade network that you ran because you would have to trade one heavy item for another heavy item. Yep. So you can't do that if you're not trading in either paper money or physical currency. And so one of the things that happened that really set them back is anybody who took control of them for a vast amount of time, the Sith, um, the Huts, the other, the other syndicates, they never allowed them access to physical money. Yeah. They, they made took sure, advantage of their goods, essentially. They made sure it was always barter. Mm-hmm. Because one off-world pistol was worth a lot more weight in food or weight in raw resources than it would be in currency. Which is why the Twi'leks were able to stockpile weapons and munitions. Yep. And from the, what they took from raiders, but also from trading. Well and the Twi'leks were while they were a fairly peace peaceful people, they didn't waste. No, and no, no. so if they got a weapon, they stocked it away for a for a rainy day. Mm. Whether that rainy day was, hey, we need something to trade, so we'll give you this weapon for whatever we're trying to get. Or potentially, hey, uh, we're being raided, we, we might want to stop that. Yeah. Um, and the men, the, the Twi'lek men are very, very big and muscular fit. And the Twi'lek women are almost uniformly... Lascivious. Yes. Uh, petite and... Mm-hmm. And so it, it just feeds into their natural their natural 
proclivity for being that type of people Slave. feeds into making good slaves for the galaxy because the women are petite and small and they can't fight back very well and the men are strong and as long as you keep them in chains you'll get good work out of them in the spice mines or whatnot. Or unless you're Darth Talon and you can just kill anybody and everybody in your path. Yeah, if you can use the force to rip somebody's head off, that's that helps. And then you, Darth Krayt takes notice of you and he's like, I like you. <laughs> right. Come be my slave. But, yeah, that's Twi'leks. Uh, I was going to get into Zabrox, but it's pretty obvious. Dathomir, They're very dark They're pretty well heavy. covered in the, in the new canon canon but i would say the one thing i would say about the uh the dathomir and the zabrox is what a strange culture oh my i wish there was more of them very them. dark side oriented first of all but for the most part only the females are force sensitive uh no the males are force sensitive but i really it hated... has to be unlocked I hated, hated how they did that. The men so, were picked to be wives to the Ratatakis, and I hated that. I don't. The Ratataki is the race of Asajj Ventures, for those of you who don't know. The So the thing the thing that I liked was, while every Zabrak has the capability of being Force-sensitive, it's a unique case where it has to be accessed. So... You have to be chosen by the witch cult and taken back and accessed. You have to be given the force. You have to be given access to the force, which goes a long way in paralleling, but at the same time being the opposite of the Rakatans fall. And so it gives credence to the story of the Rakatans that there is a way to pull the Metachlorians from someone or imbue them to them. But but it, it... And it gives Palpatine and Plagueis' search for a way to do that meaning. Because there are small corners of the galaxy that have seen the stripping of Metachlorians or the imbuing of Metachlorians. And what it goes to show is that it's possible, one, but that it has to be done very carefully. I just don't like how it was, you have to be chosen to be my husband. Like, it's Star Wars. What does it even mean? Well, like, there's infinite cultures in Star Wars. I, I know, have... I know, but why Why put that in? Why put that in? Why? Because it's interesting, and it's something new, and it's different, and it's hard why to come not up have with it... new stuff. It's not hard to come up with new It stuff. is incredibly hard to come up with a new concept. No, it's not. There's okay, thousands okay, okay. of books that can be written from There are thousands and thousands and millions of ideas. So take them and history. make them to fruition. And there, there are millions of ideas throughout human histories that are unique. There are currently 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. Do you know what percentage of people have a unique thought? Not very many. It is very hard to come up with something new. You don't have to come up with something new right from something we already have. It's the same thing we've been saying for the last 36 episodes. And this is the difference between Cameron and Philip. <laughs> I'm an analytic. Cameron likes... Cameron likes things. Consistency. He loves... I am a creative. I love new things. I love coming up with things that have not been thought before. That doesn't mean I before. don't. 
I'm more on but the end I of... But I can appreciate... I can appreciate the beauty of that component. The new idea. Even if... I don't necessarily think it's a really good idea. It wasn't. Uh, maybe not. But I appreciate it. Look at Darth Maul. Was he chosen? Yes. By whom? Uh, one of one of the witch cult. That's at some point. Stupid. Because clearly he overpowered all of them and left Dathomir. Yes. And was chosen by Sidious. Yes. Why couldn't Sidious just drop onto that planet and say, "I want you"? Screw the witch people. Well, that's You're the coming whole point me. of that ritual. Is before he was gone through that ritual to make him force sensitive to create him in this image. He was not force sensitive, so he'd been useless to Palpatine. I just it doesn't make sense how you're forcing the force on people. Like it's a cool concept. It was it was kind of poorly done in some but ways. That's that's my only. Point. But it's a really cool concept, and I really appreciate it. As opposed to Philip, who Philip is a creative mindset. I can be creative, but I am more. <coughs> you didn't know me in middle school, dude. Oh, if I I can be creative, if if. I, someone else comes up with the parameters of the creativity and gives me the leniency to create within the borders of the limits set by you're, sure I can be a creative mindset when it stems from something someone else has that's the but difference that's if someone gives me if someone gives me a line I'm going to draw a picture from that line that's my style your style is you want to put the line where you want and branch out from there that's how our creativity is different. I'm not saying I can't come up with a starting point, but I'm willing to take someone else's work and say, hey, you know what would be cool? What if this happened, that happened, or that happened? Oh, absolutely. That's and where my creativity comes in. Absolutely. Play. And that is creative. But that's an analytical that's, aspect of creativity. What it I'm, is a unique idea, though, because it's a new idea to the concept. You're taking a idea, a unique idea that someone had and modifying it. It's not a modification, it's an addendum. Okay. So, so you're modifying it with an addition. It's not a modification, though, because it's not changing the story. It's taking the story in a new direction. Okay. Uh, but It's not a modification. But it's not truly a We've had this debate before. Unique. It doesn't have to start from It doesn't nothing, have though. to. Mm-hmm. The reason I say I can see the beauty of that idea is because there's nothing else in Star Wars quite like it. Right. It's it respectable. It is yeah. truly unique. And maybe they stole it from somewhere else. I don't know. But I've never seen that. And I've never seen something quite like that. And mm. it's truly unique. And it it really perks my creativity to think of what in the history of this race would have led to this being the case. Right. Because it's really weird. It doesn't make sense in Star Wars, you're right. Well, it doesn't make sense anywhere. <laughs> That's like, why I can't fathom the idea. But coming up with the way that that does make sense, linking those, that's where my creativity really lies. Finding those unique things and going, okay, what would it take for this to be real? What would it take... Would there have to have been a highly advanced race? Because obviously the men are stronger. And generally when the male of a species is stronger, and the female does bear the child of the species, the females are protected by the males. Mm -hmm. This is quite different. So if you're going to have that, it would have to come from somewhere where 
it was once an advanced race, and something terrible happened to devolve them mm. to the point where the men were no longer the protectors. And it makes me wonder if the Rakatans didn't devolve them much like they did the people of Tatooine. Uh, that's a very good ask. See, that is where our creativity differences differs, because I would have said it wasn't up to the Rakatans, but it was just the structure of the planet from the get-go, because evolution has different ideas for different species. Exactly. So the Rakatans might be your idea, but my idea in terms of creativity would be what if the evolutionary scales were tipped to favor the females because the males became but if complacent, the females were lazy? The, but if the females were the protectors, you would expect them to be larger. Uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily, but you would generally expect whoever is the provider and protector to be the leader or the ruler. Mm. And you would expect whoever is the leader and ruler and provider and protector to be larger. Because you would expect the larger person to be expected to do the labor. Because they're more capable of it. But then you look at the Zabroks, they're malnourished, they're skinny, they're not... But, but they're big. Dish. The male Zabroks, if, if given a diet consistent to what they would need caloric intake, their frame is large, they are tall, they are broad, but they are lanky. They're set, you know, six and a half feet tall. Yeah. They have the frame to look like the Rock Johnson if he was a <laughs> foot taller. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, look at uh, what was Darth Maul's brother. What was his name? Mm, total uh, blank, total blank, total yeah, blank. No, um, I know. But. Oppress? No. Savage, yeah. Savage Oppress. Oppress. Yeah. It, look at him. He has the frame. They don't really change the frame. They give him more muscle. They give him more caloric intake. Whatever it is they do that allows him to bulk up. That I just can't fathom the idea of forcing the force on somebody. That what takes if it's a, that not takes forcing the force on them, but allowing them to utilize what's already there? To me, from what the Clone Wars TV it show showed... It does look like that. It breaks lore. It you're, does look like that. You're forcing the force and midichlorians into somebody you can be naturally for the Selkath naturally force sensitive right there's only been like two Selkath Jedi in the history of the Selkath species on Manon mm -hmm. okay but well, it there's... wasn't forced into them they were just able to unlock that potential right there's countless other Selkath who use the force but they don't really unlock their potential right the Zabrox while they might be force sensitive haven't ever studied to unlock that potential. They seem very primitive in the show, which is why I can't fathom the idea of forcing a midichlorian count to give them the well, force. Well, and that's why the, the primitive nature is a part of the reason I think they had to have been devolved by the Rakatans using the dark side. Because you can see that the dark side witch cult is able to re-evolve them. So if the dark side was used as a weapon to devolve them, there is a potential that the witch cult figured out the way that it was done and reverse engineered it to re-evolve them. Yeah. And then now, because the male Zabrox are so much bigger and more powerful, potentially, they have chosen to leave them devolved until they need them. So the only reason Maul or Oppress would have been chosen 
is because there was need. Which explains how the smaller, less physically adept species of the gender was able to oppress the males who are larger. Because they have access to something that the males didn't that made them but why superior. My analysis would be, why would the Rakatans leave the females stronger? What if they didn't? What if the Rakatans devolved everyone? And the witch cult, the Radataki is there. Is what is able, yeah, the Radataki is what was made. The if their the species witch, was allowed to continue, not continue. But what happened to the Radataki males? What Were, if the Zabrax and the Radataki are the same? They're not though. They're completely different species from okay. the timeline. The Jawas and the Sand People. They are two species, correct? Mm-hmm. And they are originally from one species. When the Rakatans basically nuke Tatooine into a desert... Terraformed like, it. The, okay, so in Halo there's glassing. The Rakatans had sanding. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they could legitimately just strip your planet of water. Here's a cycler rifle. Good luck. And so the Rakatans <laughs> took the, the natives of Tatooine. I don't remember what they're called. The it starts with a J. Mm. And so they they fought the Rakatans and lost, and the Rakatans sanded their world. They nuked it till there was no water. And then they devolved the species into two separate species. The Jawas, which were the small little critty creepers with the... Scrappers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other was the Sand People. Tusken Raiders. We use proper terms here. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. You're right. The, the towel heads. Um, <laughs> bit far. Sorry. Dark humor. Um, so it, we know that the Rakatans can devolve a species. And we know that they can devolve them separately. What if the Rakatans, as punishment for whatever the Zabrox did... They couldn't. What if the Rakatans, as punishment devolved the males and females separately, creating two subspecies of one species. It doesn't work, I'll tell you why. Why? Because in the time of the Old Republic, male Ribtakis and female Zabrox still existed. Up until Darth Revan's Right, time. right. Okay, so what the if... The Rakatans would have been extinct at that so point. So what if the Rakatans devolved one species into two subspecies, still co- close enough to breed... But they are two subspecies, kind of like Neanderthal versus Homo sapien. But that doesn't explain how the males and females of the both of corresponding races, right? That doesn't explain how they disappeared. Okay, so I doesn't have to explain how it disappears. That could be totally unrelated. No, it can't. They don't just disappear because they disappear. Why? If they were still alive after the extinction of the Rakatans, that maybe, theory doesn't make sense. Maybe there was a strife between the Rotataki men and women. See, now you're pandering more into my creative realm. Oh uh, no, 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 I am, I am. But you're. I asked the question. I know because this is this is but, how I get creative. But ask the questions. Why? If you're, say, the Rotataki and the male Rotataki, the female and the males, two. Two martially inclined species sharing a planet is problematic. I'll give you that. There could have been potential for a war. But why? What caused it? What if the males and the females of the Rotataki 
got into a battle over control. Obviously, mm. we know that the Rotataki religion believes that the mother superior is the end all be all and that the women Another are Talzin. thank you mm-hmm. are the right to rule see and here's how I and if the men thought uh no we rule equally and the women wiped them out because they knew they had a potential genetic source on the other side of the planet in the zabrox at that point if they wiped out their own male population they would need Zabrox to breed with. To breed with, and because and they share then the same planet, all they have to do is there's... kill the female Zabrox yeah. to ensure that they are the only ones with access. See, in my mindset, goes a different route. Mine doesn't because they kinda, have to be a subspecies of the same species. It kind of falls in, but the, their genomes have to be of similar makeup, which would so they would why have they have to be able to crossbreed because they can procreate. But the humans crossbred with the Sith. 10,000 years ago in Jude Paul's time. Obviously, they were close enough. They worked out because there are a lot of hot female Sith hybrids out there in the world. But anyways. <laughs> so my theory is the Redotaki men became jealous of the Zabrak females who were subservient to the Zabrak men. So what do they do? They kill the Zabrak females. Or... They try to breed with the Zabrak females. The Zabrak men don't like or Maybe that. it was just a peaceful divorce. So the Zabrak... <laughs> maybe it was just a peaceful divorce. So the where... Zabrak men kill the Rotataki men. What if the, what if the Rotataki... And in re... Hold on. And in retaliation, the Rotataki females... That could be true. ...kill the Zabrak females. I have a more interesting one. Not more interesting because it's more likely, more plausible, You but... just said I wasn't creative. I'm telling you my creativity Not mindset. really. Yeah, oh, um, you're full of it. What if there's... What if... I've got one. What if there's another planet that's a mirror? No, we're not. What if the Rotataki females... Star Wars isn't a string theory. What if the Rot... No, 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 no. (laughs) There's not not, ten dimensions in in the world. Not in that way. I'm just What if the Rotataki female made a deal with their males and said, Hey, you go capture and enslave the female Zabrox and go to your own planet and get the hell out of ours. And we'll take the male Zabrox... And we'll stay here. And somewhere in the galaxy, there's a planet of female Zabrox and male Rotataki. You just took my idea and made and it better. Branched out with and it and made it better. Who's being creative now? Yeah, that that no, it's not a good theory. That's a terrible theory. No one ever does that with every war. theory is good. But that's theory. really awesome. That would be a really awesome way to get another unique planet that would have a total mirror. You need to watch Obi-Wan because that discussion we had of the episode a few weeks ago of New Planets. Ugh. I'm getting to it. Get on it. I have Get on it. I have baby. I have farm. I have I baby. Have I have work life. It's summer. Too. It is summer. Yes. Right, so I'll give I, you that. I'll but give but you that. I have gardens. We don't have summer vacations like most people do. It was like pulling teeth going on this holiday with my wife, so that was a pretty big bird walk, but it was fun. <laughs> a little more back on track now. Humans, obviously, either light side or dark side oriented, it really doesn't matter. I Humans mean, are neutral, true, true, true neutral. They do not have an orientation. They, they choose the orientation. The orientation. They are one of the few races them. that gets to be. And they start at zero, and they either go light side or dark side. Mm-hmm. Or both. I mean, they flip-flop. One of the few races that actually doesn't have a disposition. Togrudas. And do you know why that is? 
What's the human's homeworld? Coruscant. And what's on Coruscant? Uh, originally. The Senate. No, originally. <laughs> when, when humans first developed in the Star Wars universe, there was a really unique thing on Coruscant. A gate. It had, from the Qua. It had two wells. A light and a dark, yes. On the same planet. Yep. That's why it's the core world of the Republic. That is... Like, it's the center of the freaking galaxy. It's the only place we know of that has, in the Star Wars universe, a light and starts dark side well. It is a true neutral planet. Well, when there's ten... What is it? Ten trillion? Right. People on the planet, I think it is. Right, but I'm talking about when they were tribal. When they first would have been coming up into this. It would have been still a verdant world. It would have been a continental world with a large ocean mass. Pangaea. Pangaea, however you pronounce it. And so it was one of the... It is the only known world in the Star Wars galaxy to have a true balance of the Force. Because there's only four classes. You either have a light side oriented planet with either a light side well or a light side balance. A dark side oriented planet like Korriban that has a dark side well or a dark side balance. You have planets that have no wells or no balance. And then you have the very unique Coruscant. Which, depending on where you were on the planet, had both. It had to have been put there for a reason, though. You just don't know why. I think it had to have been put there because it's the only planet that could truly be the center of balance. But that's what I was saying. Humans get to pick their alignment. Right. Based off of human emotions and our emotional intelligence as sapient beings, of course, even in the Star Wars universe. But Well, like, likewise, I mean, obviously, any Twi'lek can choose to be dark side, but they're more likely to be light side. Because their planet's alignment, yes. And so the Sith, the original Sith species, who was on Korriban, was a very heavily dark side-oriented planet. Mm-hmm. Several dark side wells. Um they're more likely to be dark side, but they can be light. We do have a few There's cases. A chance, yeah. We have a few cases where they strayed towards the light, or at least away from the dark. Well, then you have the Syrians, which is Kiati Mundi's race, heavily light side oriented. Yep. And then there's the Togruta, <laughs> which is Shakti's race, again, very light side oriented. Can we do some head cannons about Yoda's race? Uh, no, because we're almost out of time, and that's an episode in and of itself. Oh, come on. There's not that <laughs> no. much we know. No, I know. Um, <clears throat> well. There's so many races. It's just, I'm just hitting the main ones that we see in the movies, mostly. But. Okay, so. I suppose if... Yoda's species would be more neutral, because Yoda and Yaddle, while they're on the council lightsaber oriented but then you have grogu who we still don't know that much about we know he was at the temple but he seems more free-spirited yeah which is why i said well and he's neutral. been through a lot of trauma so that could account for him going dark side eventually he is being trained by luke so there is that he could be a gray you finished of book Yoda. of boba didn't you not exactly bro i'm working on it uh, we've got a podcast about Star Wars, and Phil's not keeping up with the Star Wars times. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm too busy being a workhorse. <laughs> too many horses, not enough cowboys. <laughs> Fuck. But yeah, that 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 that's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, I think for Yoda species, they would be more. God, I wish we had more on them. From planets to. Grogu's Inception. The only theory I have for not being a creative mindset, according to some people, yeah, I'm looking at you, Yoda and Yaddle getting it on. That's not very creative. That's kind of obvious. I never said it was creative. I just said <laughs> it's my idea. That, that, that's incredibly obvious. And I called it Mando Season 1. Uh, we don't have confirmation. We, we don't even have confirmation of a homeworld for them. For all we know, they could have a homeworld somewhere <laughs> in the unknown region, and their eggs lay dormant for a thousand years at a time. They could have no relation to you. They don't even live to be a thousand years. Right, but I mean, they could just lay eggs in the ground, and They're when you turtles. pop out of your egg, we don't know. We have no idea. Exactly. I mean, they could literally be a force embodiment popping out of a, out of a force well. Yeah. We don't know. We we have no idea. One thing that we do know is there is genders. We have male and female, Yoda yes. and Yaddle. Generally, if you have that, it takes one of each to repopulate. It takes two to tango. Right. <laughs> so what we do know is, as far as we know, it's a very, very small race. Yeah. Not necessarily. It is... There is potential that they could be like the Chiss, where they have a planet that we don't have access to because they're in the Outer Rim or they're beyond the Outer Rim. Well, the Chiss had settled there, on Hoth for a while, but that's the, not their home world. There could be an incredible amount of them on their home world. But only one or two of them are Force-sensitive, thus only one or two of them are collected by the Jedi or Sith. We don't know. But what we do know is, when they are Force-sensitive... They are ridiculously Force-sensitive. Yoda had the highest Metachlorian count until they found Anakin. The Chiss do have a homeworld, by the way. Yeah, they do. But it could be like the Chiss where the in-universe they don't know much about it because no one's been there. It's so far and so remote that there's no reason to go there. I am currently trying to look up Yoda's homeworld. And I don't... And all of my... I've never seen reference to a homeworld. In all of my studies but from it's... decades ago, there's like people put random stuff on the internet, obviously, but no one knows anything about it. But we only have a handful of Chiss as well in the universe. In canon? Well, because I mean. Because in the extended universe, they're everywhere. I mean, throughout the universe, we only have a handful. Because their race was constantly being wiped out for being different. Right. And so it could be similar. Because they were chissists. Perhaps. I know. I know. I know. Like you, you xenophobe. Uh, Militant xenophobe. (laughs) Thank you. I'm a humanist. (laughs) Human supremacist. There's a big difference. A huge difference. I'm one for all and all for humans. (laughs) I believe there is place in, in the universe for all the alien creatures. Generally at the bottom of a mine shaft. (laughs) (laughs) But realistically, 
it could be that Yoda's homeworld is so far into the inner core or so out into the outer rim and beyond the outer rim even, or so deep into the unknown parts of the galaxy hmm. that it's it's incredibly rare for one to show up. I think it's just rare because there's not many of them, not that they're spread out. Well, I think if they're on one planet and there's only two million of them, could, there is not many on a galactic could, scale. Could be sparsely populated, but they also could have been wiped out by the Sith. Could have. Absolutely. Because they're light side oriented from what we see Yoda, Yaddle, and Grogu, just from the three depictions of their race. There could be. Uh, it could be that there is only ever three or four at a time. I mean, they lived for 900 years, 800 years. Yoda right. died at 900. Like. Right. And it takes a couple hundred to get out of adolescence. Yeah. So, potentially, it could just be that either they were wiped out by one side or the other, and these are the last remnants of a dying people, or it could be that there's an unknown planet out there, and when they're Force-sensitive, they get sent off-planet to go to the Jedi because there's some sort of agreement with an unface, uh, faceless, unknown Jedi. Mm -hmm. And the, the Yoda's people just say, hey, okay, we'll send you our Force-sensitives, and there's only one or two of them at a time. <laughs> we don't know. But I can't imagine that Yoda and Yaddle being the last of their race. I don't think the Jedi would have allowed a, a race to die out. Especially one as powerful as that one. Right. I think if Yoda and Yaddle were the last of their race and the Jedi knew that, the Jedi would have immediately sent them off to fall in love on a on an uninhabited planet. They would have immediately Make been more like, of your kind. Make more of you. <laughs> we need more. Can you imagine having like three or four Jedi at the, the power level of Yoda? Do you know what the problem with that theory is? The Jedi would have no longer been the Jedi. Uh, no, the problem with that theory is Anakin still would have been more powerful than all four of them. But the Jedi wouldn't have been the Jedi. Wow. The moment that happens, the moment you have more than one person of Yoda's race being Force-sensitive at a time, they're basically guaranteed to be Grandmasters or Master level. So for no other reason than because they are incredibly Force-sensitive, every example we have is ridiculously powerful if you had a dozen of them at a given time you could basically guarantee that the entire council would be made up of them for roughly 500 years at a time you're going to have a ruling class be born out of the jedi order you will officially have oligarchs because the entire council would be made up of a single species and they're the wisest because they've lived the longest and had the most time to gain that wisdom, that life experience it takes to become wise. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're going to have the Jedi Council just be a single species that comes from a single ideology. It's going to alter the way that the Jedi perceive themselves. It's going to really so you think alienate that, people. You think there would be more of a vie for power? That species being so powerful, being you know enough of them being so long lived so by the end of their lives so wise yeah they're without a doubt going to end up on the council and probably by about the time they're 500 which means they're going to have somewhere between 3 and 500 years each on the council so the grand master would never be able to pass 
to another species for the rest of the Jedi's existence. Why would it need to? Yeah. And at that point, you're going to have the issue of alienating every other race. Because you're not going to get a Zelkath, you're not going to get a human, you're not going to get a... You're only going to have that race ruling the Jedi. And that is going to alienate the other species, and more detrimentally than that, it's going to leave blind spots in the Council's view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A part of the reason the Council is as wise as they are is because they have so many conflicting really wise people but they all have different mentalities different backgrounds different histories everyone brings a different piece to the table and if they're all from the same race raised in the same way by the same people there wouldn't be that there wouldn't be that uh, diversity on the council which mm-hmm. would definitely lead it to weakening and it would turn the entire jedi order because they're following the rules of a non-diverse group it would turn the Jedi Order into a monolith, and it would alienate people further. Well, I don't think it would... It may take thousands of years to do that, but it would do it. I think it would change the dynamic of the Jedi, but I don't think... I think it would fester until all the lesser races overthrew them. I was just going to say it would get to a point where the Jedi would eventually reach the conclusion, okay, we have to get rid of them. And then the Jedi would commit genocide and no longer be Jedi. Most of them would turn to the dark side and be Sith. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we have a new issue. Yeah, a, a way bigger issue than the first one. So whatever the explanation is, whether it is there's an entire planet or an entire region of space filled with these creatures, but only one in a billion is Force-sensitive. I think it's really cool that George Lucas <laughs> is leaving it a mystery, though. Like all the, the other mysteries of Star Wars that we talk about. I like keeping that, it as cool. I think that that Disney is doing it right so far where they're not giving you answers about him. But it is just enough to know that it's not a force uh, creation. So obviously you can't take that away from the chosen one, mm-hmm. but giving us a child within a reasonable amount of time of knowing that there were Jedi uh, of that species that they could potentially have had a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that bothers me about that theory is Yoda makes no mention in the scene where they're looking through the footage. He is stoic. He's a stoic guy, but I would think that if you he's had a kid... He's not stoic, he's cryptic. <laughs> There's a you, difference. But if you had a kid in the Jedi Temple when something like that happened... You would you wouldn't be looking for the footage of Anakin. You'd be looking for the footage of your kid Grogu. But I think so. He, I think maybe he, we can confirm Yoda probably doesn't. Maybe he didn't want Obi Wan to know. Lineage. What if he didn't want Obi Wan to know? If there's only two of your race and their baby shows up in the place where the two of you are, or he assumed everyone in the temple was dead. Right. And that's I, the only thing I can come to a conclusion on. But there would have to be some emotion in. Like, he would have to be somewhat emotional about his child dying. Their species isn't very emotional. The only time he's emotional is when all the Jedi start dying. When Mace Windu dies, that's when he's like, ooh. Like, you could explain that as like, oh, I I feel it. And maybe it was Grogu who he felt. Maybe their species is created by the Force. Well, I don't think that makes sense. Or they're asexual. That could be. But why would you have two separate genders if you're asexual? Ants have two separate genders, and they're asexual. I don't know enough about ants. 
well, I'm telling you from what I remember in biology class, unless I'm wrong. But... I was either hungover or drunk in that class. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned my, bio- my biology elsewhere. Um, oh, really? <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. I don't know enough about ants, obviously. I'm not... There are asexual... An anthropologist. I'm just kidding. That was a really bad pun. That's not even the same... <laughs> I know, but I couldn't help myself. I know. Your Uncle Phil's crazy. An anthropologist, not an anthropologist. Jeez. Ha <laughs> um, ha Well, there's a lot of different species that... I mean, it obviously... Was obviously it, it was, that was hilarious. That was, okay, yeah. Well. Anyways... There's a lot of species that we don't know about, and there's a lot of species in the galaxy that we do know about that we don't have time to talk about. Yeah, but I, I we just touched on the, the basics, but I think... But I'm going to say, Cameron, you are entirely wrong. There's no way they're a Force creature. Look at what it took to create Anakin from the Force. No, I, I'm just saying it's a, it's a possibility. The Force creates a lot of things. The Force melds a lot of things. The Force destroys a lot of things. Who's to say it doesn't accidentally create a few creatures in the time being? Not nearly as powerful as Anakin. Anakin had twice the amount of midichlorians that Yoda did. Right. And probably ten times the amount of Yaddle and Grogu. Right. But the fact remains, it's a possibility. Right. I'm something I could theorize on for another episode, but um, I think that's all we got for you guys this week. That was a good talk. That was a good talk. There's a lot of different races... I mean, particular like the Sith pure bloods were one we could have gotten into the Selkath, but the chest, just the, yeah, it's we could even talk about much. some of the subspecies too of like the Sith alchemy meddling, creating subhumans to creating, be slaves. Well, yeah, creating <laughs> slave species that were far less cognitively advanced. Yeah, that's that's a good term. The uh, oh, my favorites are the the ones that were created to defend the tomb of uh, Marco Ragnos. The tomb of Marco Ragnos. Those were droids. You're talking about the beasts, the Tukata, no, or the, the Shyrax? The beetles. The beetles. The beetles that covered what's his uh... Dorbalisks? Yeah. Oh, that wasn't. That was. Um, I think that was Darth Andedu's tomb. Not. Thank Mark you. Ragnos. Sorry. It was either Darth Andedu or Freedon Nad. One of those two, but. They protected his holocron because they were so drawn to the immense amount of dark side in it. But that's all we got for you guys. As always, come join the Discord. Have a great week. Have a great week. We're here to make your time better, and uh, we're hoping we're doing a good job. Yeah. And enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you again next week. See you next week. <laughs>